Welcome to the latest episode of Schneps Connects. Wireless communication in a densely populated and highly urbanized area like New York City poses several challenges. The sheer number of people and the high number of devices in a small geographic area can lead to high demand for wireless services, resulting in network congestion and slower data speeds. Tall buildings and dense urban infrastructure can obstruct wireless signals, leading to poor indoor coverage. In a city like New York with existing infrastructure, it can be logistically challenging and may face regulatory hurdles. 5G, the fifth generation wireless technology, is expected to play a crucial role in addressing some of these challenges to increase capacity, lower latency, which is critical for applications such as augmented reality, virtual reality, and autonomous vehicles. Ongoing advancements in technology and continued collaboration between the public and private sectors will be essential to meeting the unique demands of highly urbanized environments like New York. Boingo Wireless is one of the companies that provides solutions to this challenge. Boingo simplifies complex wireless challenges to connect people, business, and things. The company designs, builds, and manages converged, neutral host public and private networks at major venues around the world. Boingo's vast footprint of distributed antenna systems, Wi-Fi, small cells, and macro towers securely powers innovation and connectivity in airports, transit stations, stadiums, military bases, hospitals, commercial properties, and enterprises worldwide. I'm thrilled to have with me Mike Finley, who's CEO of Boingo Wireless and serves on the company's board of directors. He's responsible for the company's strategic direction and leading the business into the 5G future. Prior to Boingo, he served as president of North America and Australia at Qualcomm. He has over three decades of experience in senior management roles in the telecommunications industry with Nextel, Sprint, Verizon Wireless, AirTouch Cellular, Cellular One, and Macau Cellular. He currently serves on the board of the CTIA and the New York Metropolitan Area's Regional Plan Association, as well as the board of the Los Angeles Sports and Entertainment Commission and the Creighton University Board of Trustees. He's received a BS NBA in marketing from Creighton University and is a member of the university's Hall of Fame. He also attended the general manager program in executive education at Harvard Business School. Welcome, Mike. Thanks so much for being with us. I really appreciate it. Josh, great to be with you. And I was listening to that resume. It sounds like I could hardly keep a job in the cellular industry, but everybody just kept merging and joining together. So all those companies you mentioned essentially were two companies eventually. So great history, uh, great to be at the beginning of this industry. I've seen a lot and it's really been helpful as we move towards 5G and eventually into 6G and Wi-Fi 7 and all the new technologies that are going to come forward. Yeah, sure. I mean, listen, the world has changed in a short period of time as far as connectivity. I mean, I got my first email in college and I remember, you know, I have two children and telling them that there used to be a world without Wi-Fi and they couldn't believe it. They honestly could not believe it that I was telling the truth. They thought it was a joke. So, you know, really now we're really in a world where you can't live without being connected, let alone work. So, you know, really great to have you here and really would love for you to maybe just share a little bit more about yourself and, you know, your journey. I was very lucky. I was at Creighton playing baseball. I wanted to be a professional baseball player. Nice. Uh, that was my first lesson in life of getting fired from, from a minor <laughs> league team. That's, you know, pretty much see you later, which was 
hard at the time, but great experience. Baseball, it's a team sport played by individuals, I always say. And it's also a great lesson where you can fail seven out of 10 times and be in the Hall of Fame. So For sure, you know, business and life isn't always about everything working out. So it's keep on going at it. So it really served me well as I got into the cellular business back in the mid 80s when it was really just starting. I was very lucky that a a friend of my father's was a serial entrepreneur and starting a business. And my parents thought I was nuts. Who would ever have a phone in their car? <laughs> Back, you know, in the mid 80s and over the last 40 years, and it's a long time, I've seen a lot. And it's really shifted from, we just celebrated the 40th anniversary of the first phone call. We mm. highlighted that at the, the Mobile World Congress event in Las Vegas a, a few months ago. And first phone call made in Chicago Soldier Field, which we now support. We have a connectivity and a network in there. So it's come a long way, but the beauty of what we do is it never stops. It's constantly evolving. As soon as you think you've got exactly the right thing, you know, we're looking two, three, four, five years out and building the networks, wiring them up to make sure that, you know, people have what they need. And a lot of times the applications come afterwards. And, but at the end of the day, people just want connectivity. You want to, when you get off a plane or a train, you don't care what network you're on. You just care that it works. Sure. Uh, and that's what we do. We build neutral, converged networks that enable people's devices to work the way they want them to. Yeah, I mean, it's really amazing when you look at a city like New York City and, you know, you want to be connected no matter what, whether you're paying for something or whether or not you're trying to figure out where to go or searching, obviously. Talk a little bit about the meaning of a smart city, because I feel like that's a word that's used a lot that not everyone truly understands what it means, and how is Boingo making smart cities a reality? We think that smart city, by definition, I think has connotations of streetlights working when cars are there and identifying traffic, smart poles, airports, knowing where the longer lines are, identifying you know, those types of things. Mm -hmm. We think that you know we're a creator of connectivity, so there's so many applications. There's autonomous driving, there's robotic cleaning. We define it a little bit as, you know, a city that can act on its own from a technology perspective, growing from the inside out so that you can move around fast, safe. There's cameras for safety and security and things like that. So fundamentally for us, it really, none of that can happen if you don't have safe, secure, fast, reliable, low latency connectivity. And then from there, the experts in software and applications build out these capabilities. So for example, when we were bringing out 4G back in 2010 or so, everybody kept asking, what, what's the application? What are you going to do? What's 4G going to do for me? Mm -hmm. and at Qualcomm, we were highlighting all these things that would be, you know, there's telehealth, there's, there's kind of these generic like, things. A couple of things that were not part of that plan that nobody was talking about, which doesn't even seem probable at this point, is Lyft and Uber was not a case point for 4G, yet that's been probably the poster child of it. Maps and navigation. I'm from the days when you had a Thomas guide and you're driving sure. around trying to read a map. Thank God my eyes were better back then <laughs> and, and things like that. So, you know, Netflix streaming. So it's really creating the connectivity, which was a combination of the license the carriers provide the Wi-Fi that you know we bring forward, there's now a kind of a middle-of-the-road hybrid technology called CBRS, somewhat unlicensed, and really bringing all that together. And then the you know uniqueness of devices, capabilities, applications, software start to come into play. So some of the things we've seen now kind of come forward, really driven a lot by COVID, 
although I'm proud yeah. of industry, you know, we talk about all these things we can do, whether it's telehealth or robotic cleaning or autonomous driving. It really brought forward now the need for that. We needed for stadiums to get into ticketing wise to not be paper where you had to touch things. Mm -hmm. So that was kind of already starting to get in place, but contactless entry. So you can go through the magnetometers without, you know, any touching contactless concessions more and more. Now people don't want anybody to handle their food or their drinks and things like that. So technology and capabilities really enabled that as a platform, if you will. And then, you know, these applications are being developed more and more. So look, I'll give credit to New York. I think you know, the leaders of New York have seen the need for this. It really requires a great relationship with the public leaders of cities and states to enable technology to be deployed, to be developed, and to have a sense of allowing that to come together. For example, if you're going to do streetlights or you're going to do autonomous driving or parking meters or things like that, it all revolves around connectivity. And the leaders have to allow for that innovation and creativity to come forward. New York's right at the forefront of that both in the city, the state, as well as the port and the MTA, all good, really kind of coming together to allow that and enable it. And they're great partners and a lot of the public-private partnership stuff that goes on. Yeah. I mean, listen, I think what, a lot of what you're saying relates to the media industry and for us as a media company. And COVID did change a lot of, I think, mindsets of people utilizing technology that never did before, realizing they had to, if they wanted to get anything done, just staying in their house. And it really yeah. fast forwarded, I think a lot of the consumer's use of these things that may have taken a little bit longer for people to want to you know, participate in. You touched a little bit on New York. You know, I'd really love to hear from your perspective, just a little bit more about what the opportunities are for New York. I know that you serve you know, a large area, but obviously would love your thoughts on how you think New York can really be a leader in terms of embracing this technology. Well, New York already is. And we're primarily indoors, big, large venues. So obviously, that's why we're in all the airports, the transportation hubs. So I'll give you a couple easy examples. You know, MTIA's train time app, you know, again, may seem simplistic in some ways of just being able to know if the train's on time or if it's late or maybe it had a divert or change, or maybe it's a different train, whatever it might be. But there's a lot of technology and a lot of capability, again, foundationally on uh, connectivity. So that took a lot of creativity and innovation and need from the MTA to really help drive that and do that. The airports, again, during COVID needed to do a number of things. It was really pretty amazing. So for example, international flights needed to get redirected from where they were coming in to come into a different place that was more separate. And so being able to just set up a plane where it comes in and a jetway, okay, well, I can do that. But then bringing all the people in and yeah. have be able to get through the passports and stuff like that and having connectivity, we worked with the port. They were very clear with what they wanted. We had to shift the Uber and Lyft uh, pickup areas. Again, moving and shifting, that's not the hard part. The hard part was I need connectivity where I've moved to. And so otherwise, cars and people couldn't get connected. So that's part of what I'm saying is New York's really sees the benefit and is very willing to be creative and innovative around it. And so in the big locations, the stadiums and the airports and transportation hubs, we're in the process of launching the Grand Central Madison, you know, the new train from the Hudson into Grand Central. Years and years and years of tunnels and uh, technology and 
bringing that forward. So now when it's completed, you're going to be able to utilize your phone, not just on the platforms, but also on the trains and moving through as you're commuting. And some people like that. Yeah. People always want to be connected. There's some people who, you know, had that, whatever their ride was, 10, 20, 40 minutes, you know, that's their piece of the day, but it's always up to the end user, whether they want to use technology or not. Having it there, having it capable, of course, safety, security, you know, is a big, big deal, obviously. And again, the city and the state has been really supportive of trying to drive those kinds of things. Mike, is there one city in particular that's kind of known as the leader when it comes to being a smart city, either here in the States or abroad? Well, I'm going to get in trouble because a lot of them want to claim it and we work in a lot of them. I would say, you know, honestly, because of the depth and breadth and the complexity of a city like New York, because wireless signals, big buildings, height, lots of different things moving, lots of people, heavy congestion. Those are all very difficult things in order to drive connectivity and to bring innovation into that. So from a pure capability perspective and taking that with the complexity of it, I think New York, both city and state, have really been at the forefront. There's a lot, obviously, of innovation that goes on technology-wise in mm-hmm. California, you know, because of Silicon Valley and things like that. But when you add in the complexity of everything I just described here, and then having it work, and by the way, it does. A lot of people talk about, you know, 5G hasn't really brought anything forward. Most of the things we're talking about, most of the things we're using, most of the things that are being enabled through COVID with telehealth, robotic cleaning, contactless concessions and entries are all pieces of 5G. 5G's enabled that to happen. So the carriers have done a wonderful job. And quite honestly, the cities have really done a nice job of bringing that in. New York is right at the top of that list. No, I'm really happy to hear that. Talk a little bit more about 5G. You know, some people don't really understand it. And what do you feel the impact will be on society overall? So I have a little bit of a different definition. So let me give that first than kind of what standards, bodies, and industry say. To me, 5G encompasses the license side, which we would know as the carriers. It's for Verizon, AT&T, and Timo. They own the rights. They have the licenses for that. We're building out the networks indoors in a lot of locations on their behalf. Then there's Wi-Fi, which is very open. Really, you know, for the most part, anybody can deploy that. And now you have CBRS, which is a little bit of combination of both. And so to me, my definition of 5G is high speed, low latency, which means by the time I ask for something, how quick do I get it back? So for example, if you're trying to get into a game or you're trying to have your ticket work to get into an airport, you don't want to delay in that. Even if that, you know, you would think it's crazy, two or three seconds seems long, mm-hmm. you know, in those. So we're talking milliseconds. So that's low latency. And then, of course, you want security. So we're on almost 90 military bases. We supply connectivity to troops. So from a security perspective, everything that we do has to be totally secure and things like that. So when you you mesh all that together, that's really kind of the promise and hope of 5G. And the pure kind of technical aspect of it, you tend to get 5Gs bringing the signal very high speed, but in smaller areas. So 5G plays really well indoors. It plays really well in, you know, room by room, but it doesn't penetrate walls. So that's why you need to have more of a distributed system. You talked about us doing DAS, distributed antenna systems, just means you string along more access points. You don't see them, which is part of the beauty of what we do, hopefully, 
Yeah. But, you know, they're there and it requires more. You have to have them closer together. You have to have more of them. And the real key about the neutral part for us is bringing Wi-Fi into that and the CBRS and making all that work together. Because you can get interference, you can get overlap. In the old days, if you've had phones for a long time, you might remember crosstalk where, you know, somebody be in your conversation. All, sure. all those things are now designed out by definition, but you could still get interference if the design's not right. So bringing all that together, 5G is going to enable these things to happen. I talk about this. I'm not a gambler myself, but bringing gaming, you know, my kids, my wife and I have four boys and they love the fantasy football. They watch games a lot different than I watch. Sure. But envision yourself being at Yankee Stadium or City Field or could be technically in an airport waiting for your plane or a train station that, you know, you want to make a bet for 50 cents that the next pitch is a strike or a ball or a pop-up or a home run. That's going to require really high speed, really low latency and tight security. So from a kind of a fun perspective in gaming and things like that, 5G is capable of enabling that if this network's designed right. Mm -hmm. uh, then, you know, from the safety and security and the geofencing, those are all things that we can enable. 5G is going to allow that as we get into, not to get technical, but as Wi-Fi plays a part of that, we're at Wi-Fi 6, Wi-Fi 6E is being deployed. These are nomenclatures that are saying higher speed, lower latency, more security. Wi-Fi 7 is coming. So when you have all those work together, that's when you're going to get the greatest opportunity. And those are all the things we're deploying here in the uh, New York area. Well, Mike, you definitely explain well everything that I've taken for granted, <laughs> which is fast internet. Nobody wants to wait on anything in this day and age. So I really appreciate you know being on the show and really sharing everything that you and Boingo are doing for here in New York. Well, thank you for having me, and you know this is the most important part of what we do in the creating great connectivity for our venues and their users, and so. Uh, you should never really even know who we are if we're doing our job right, hopefully. Right. But we're really proud to be here. Well, thank you again. And thank you all for tuning in to the Schneps Connects podcast. To listen to any of our episodes, visit podcast.schnepsmedia.com or stream us on all major podcast networks. <laughs>